Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. Making sure it still works. All right, how are we doing? Oh, it's great. I like to hear voices. That's awesome. Sometimes I feel like it's a redundant question. You know, how am I doing? You know, whatever. Cool. All right, that's great. Uh, so I'm not Jeff. Jeff's back there trying to not get everyone contagious, so thanks. Um, so if I was serious, if I was the pastor, we'd all be in a world of trouble. Hi, if, uh, if it's your first time here, my name is uh, Matt, and uh, just Matt, no last name. Uh, I'm the youth pastor here. And um, if I say the word tonight, it's because uh, I say that like three times a week. And so I apologize tonight. Translate that to this morning. So uh, I'm excited about this. Uh, This is going to be one of those Sundays where you might be walking out of here saying, man, I wish that was one of those encouraging boosters, you know, you know, sermons. But um, see if I can tie something in at the end here. Uh, if this is going to be one of those mornings for you, you might need to go grab another cup of coffee and get a really big cup of coffee. So, yeah, go, go for it, man. Uh, you might not be alone. All right, so uh, actually before I get into that, let's, let's just pray. It's something I forgot to do for service and thought about that later. Father God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to speak this morning. Um, God, I just pray that you would just be uh, in this house, Lord, just um, ministering to us with your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would just be uh, leading and guiding uh, my lips, Lord. Um, just anoint them so that... Um, Lord, if there's anything you want me to say, Lord, that I say it, anything that I, uh, that I shouldn't say, Lord, just uh, silence me. So, God, I just thank you again for this opportunity, Lord. Just bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I got a problem. Got a big problem. I'm addicted to shock tarts. Bad. Like, I, I have this N.A. chip right here, N.H. sobriety chip. I think I need to stop wearing it because I have a bad addiction to shock tarts. I remember when I was, you know, eight or nine years old, I mean, seriously, I would, like, suck down, you know, like, you know, a tube of these things. It's probably like 30 in a tube. And I would just, you know, just hammer these things down. My mom remembers. And um, all the time, I just had these things. I remember the last time I had had shock tarts up until recently, I was probably like 12 years old. We went, you know, up, I think we went camping up on a lake or or a river. And I had just, you know, eaten just a ton of these things. Just so delicious, so good, so sour and sweet. Just, Just felt sick as a dog. And just remembering, man, I miss that stuff. People tell you that TV will rot your brain. That's truth. People tell you that soda will rot your teeth. That's false. Shock tarts will most definitely rot your teeth. And, I mean, they're just, they're just so good. I hadn't had one for, like, a decade, maybe, something like that. And I had been telling my students, I was like, have you guys ever seen shock tarts? If you want to buddy up to the youth pastor, go find me some shock tarts. I've been looking. I can't find them, right? Come to find out that they discontinued them. Wonka has changed the name to Shockers. I wasn't looking for Shockers. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I'm at the house, and there's a roll of them on the table, and I'm like, where'd these come from? Hello, where'd these come from? And I'm just, I'm super excited. I'm like, Jack, I haven't had one of these in years, right? Like, you know, way long ago, way long ago. And I'm just looking at these things like, seriously, who had these? Come to find out, one of my buddies got, for the house, 24, my roommate got, got us 24 of these things, a box of 24 rolls. Each one has like 30 in them. Do the math. That's a lot. And he says, yeah, I got them for the house, but, you know, here you go. Present for you. I'm like, well, I'm in trouble. (laughs) And so uh, we we were talking about this. We were, um, I swear I'm bringing this in here. Um, We were talking about, you know, how, you know, dumb we are, how stupid we are. You know, I'm like, I'm rolling, you know, I've just, like, eaten 20 of these things. And I'm like, you know, I probably need to stop. Teeth starting to hurt, feeling kind of sick. 
probably need to stop eating these, but I'll stop when I get to a blue, because blue is my favorite. So I go down, I'm like a red. Sweet. Purple. Yes. Keep going down, like 10 later, I get a blue, and I'm like, oh, it's so good. And I open up, oh, there's another blue. And now I'm like, I'll stop when I get a blue. And all of a sudden, there's like four in a row. I'm like, yeah, baby. Right? And so, like, we always try and make excuses for, oh, I'll stop here. I'll stop here. Right? Or, oh, it's okay because this. It's all straight here. So, this is the thing that I'm, I'm going at here is, is this morning's all about the heart. And honestly, just about any message you pull out of here, you could point it to the heart. You could point it to Jesus, or you could point it to the heart. Everything points to that, because that's the goal. That's where, that's where it matters. And so uh, this morning, if you were to, to title this, it would be Follow Your Heart, question mark, Follow the Heart, because uh, I hear it all the time in songs. Listen to your heart, something I don't care, do 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 You know, and then, you know, I, I, I was looking for, um, you know, some Google images, you know, to, to throw up on the, on the thing there. Oh, by the way, so I didn't miss the cue. Thanks, Chris, you've been waiting patiently. I don't have PowerPoints with the spit. I don't have uh, PowerPoint slides or anything. So if you need a Bible, would you just raise your hand, and Chris uh, will, will come around and, and, and pass you out a Bible, because I don't have the scriptures up there. And this is great, too, because if I were to, like, go in there in PowerPoint, I'm like, hmm, this sounds better. You know, now, now I'm not going to be preaching heresy because you know that it's out of the Word of God and it's right in front of you. Um, so, <laughs> and so uh, this morning is, you know, follow your heart, you know, because I hear it all the time. I hear it from people. I hear it on Facebook. I, it, back when MySpace was a thing, it was everyone's MySpace thing, right? Follow your heart, you know. Oh, I don't know what to do. Follow your heart. You know, follow your instincts. Follow your gut instincts. Listen to what your heart's telling you, right? We hear that all the time. All the time. It's kind of the American, like, anthem, especially for people my age. You know, follow your heart. You know, and so this morning we're going to be out of Jeremiah 17, and we're going to read what uh, the Bible says about that. But the thing that I want to kind of start us off with is when we have a situation where we have to constantly justify, constantly make excuses, there's a reason for that. There's a reason why we're trying to make excuses. There's a reason why we're trying to justify. So if there's something in your life right now where you're just like, ah, you got to see it my way. You, you, you got to see it my way. Hang on. You know, you're telling me what I'm doing is wrong. See it my way first. You know, under, you know, make, you know, justify, excuse, excuse, excuse. Here's some of my favorite ones right here. You ready? I made a list. Lists are handy. But it takes the stress off. Guilty. But it helps me concentrate. Guilty. But I love her or him. Guilty on the first part. But it's not like I do it all the time. Guilty. I'm just going through a rough time in my life right now. Guilty. I can stop whenever I want. Guilty. My favorite, I'll stop when I need to. Guilty. So this is the thing, is that if you realize you need to change something, or if you're trying to justify it, justify, justify, justify with how you feel. Well, let me show you how I feel. Let me show you my thoughts on that. Let me show you what I've conjured up in my head, my justification to what makes sense from human wisdom. Take a look at what God's Word says about that. Because if you feel a need to change, change now. Open up to uh, Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10. We're going to kind of coast through here. Jeremiah 17, 5 says this. This is what the Lord says. So you know it's important. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. I could just stop right there and just say, if you have like 100% trust in me, I'm going to let you down. Like, you, go for it. Try it. I mean, put 100% trust in me. I'm going to get your kids late. I'm going to get them out late every Wednesday, every Sunday. It's going to happen. I can't shut up. That's just how it works. Don't put your trust in me. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. This word heart. 
Verse 6, he will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Sounds kind of terrible. <laughs> it sounds pretty bad, right? Just desolate, dry, nasty, plain of nothing, right? That's what happens when it says in, in verse 5, when you put your trust in man, rely on flesh for your strength, and when you turn your heart away from the Lord. And so when we have something in our life where we're trying to justify it with ourselves, with our flesh, when we put our trust into people for our strength completely, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm, when I'm just kind of like, you know, when you put it above God, I keep spinning, I'm sorry, these lights really just, you know, they really, you can tell when I'm spinning. My, my old youth pastor used to call the front row the splash zone. I guess it's true with me as well. Youth pastors just spit, I guess. Um, but if you put your trust in man above God, if you depend on your fleshly wisdom over God's wisdom, verse 6, it's a bad description. You don't want that. You don't want that. But in verse 7, it comes around and says, But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to, I'm going to tell a cool story. I had a dream. Um, it was either late November or early December of this last year. And I was going through just a really rough time emotionally. It's just going through something. It's personal. It's really rough emotional patch, right? It's one of my excuses. I'm just going through a rough time right now. I was going through a rough time emotionally. I was just, you know, just... I couldn't get over this, this hump that just, just had me down. You know, just, just going, you know, staying up because I couldn't sleep because I was depressed, worrying about this thing, worrying about this thing, you know, in the past creeping up on me. And I had this dream. And I don't know if you've ever had a dream where God just spoke to you, like just directly flat out. This is one of those dreams. And I woke up so ecstatic. I was running around telling everyone in the house, like, dude, check this out. Oh, dude, this is what God told me this dream. So this is, God likes to speak, you know, a lot of times in figurative ways, and sometimes he'll speak to you, you know, in figurative ways, and a lot of times in the Bible. This was about as flat out as it could be. I mean, I was just astonished. I was like, God, you just, you're ridiculous. This is great. So I'll get to the end of the dream. I won't give you the context of it. It's very personal. But this man walks up to me, and I'm, I'm telling you, it, when I read the Old Testament, and I'm like reading about the prophets, I have like this image of like, you know, this shepherd guy in like tattered, you know, like robes with like a staff and like a big old gray beard, Mattis Yahoo beard, right? And this guy walks up to me in my dream, looks just like that. And I'm like, oh, this guy looks significant. He walks up to me and says, when you drink of wells, not of man, you will never not bear fruit. When you drink of wells, not of men, you will never not bear fruit. And I was thinking about that. I was like, well, that's three negatives, four negatives. How many is that? And I was just thinking about like how weirdly that was put, right? I, I, I was, you know, the last three nights or three days or so, I've been, you know, reading through this passage and the passage in uh, John 14 we're going to go through. And it just occurred to me this morning that that dream, while I totally had an interpretation for that, you know, a couple of months ago, just totally re-downloaded a whole new meaning to me this morning when it finally dawned on me after the 20th time after reading that, that that dream was totally out of this passage, something I'd never read before up until two days ago. How crazy is that? When you put your trust in man, when you drink out of the wells of man, when you 
put your trust, your faith in your own mind, in the minds of others above God, you, it, it wrecks your ability to bear fruit. But it says in verse 8, He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And I read that this morning for like the 20th time, and all of a sudden, I just, I just had this look. Kurt Corinne was in the room. I was like, oh, my gosh. I started freaking out. I was like, are you kidding me? Right? I'm just like having like this crazy like, like God spaz out because I'm like super excited. And so I was just like jacked, right? And then I, uh, going on into verse 9 and 10, this is kind of like where we get the hook here, right? So I kind of started off with talking about, you know, excuses. We try and, you know, make excuses for the way that we live our lives, right? And it, it just totally just, just black and white difference here. When we put our trust in ourselves, we, we, we rely on ourselves for strength. When we rely only on flesh for strength, it makes us weaker. But when we rely on God for our strength, we will not never bear fruit. Yes, we will never not bear fruit. Verse 9 and 10. Here it is. Here's the crux. The heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart, and I examine the mind to reward man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. You could also just sum up that whole thing as actions. And so if you're taking notes, uh, the first point I guess you can make is, uh, is the heart deceives us. The heart absolutely deceives us. And so when you hear people say, you know, listen to your heart, what they're saying is listen to deception. Because what our heart often does is it leads us down a path where we believe it's correct, right? But oftentimes our heart is where genuosity, genuineness. I think I said that last time I spoke. I couldn't think of a word that's like genuinenessosity, whatever. <laughs> There's this great song by, by Flame. He's a, he's a Christian rapper. And, I mean, every, I mean his album, it's, it's just like theology, just scripture, just wrapped. It's great. I love it. And... It's really funny because Christian rap's like the hokiest thing I ever, like, on the planet. Like, I, I giggle because it's so corny, but it's just like, dude, this is great. It's just like reading the Bible, you know. And, and his, this has a song called To My Heart, and uh, it's a dialogue between him and his heart. And uh, in the dialogue, his heart tells him, he's like, you're acting like you're surprised because you have a wretchedly mind when you have, you, have you not yourself read Jeremiah 17, 9? You know, and he's telling him, you know, he, like the heart's giving him the scripture to look up. The heart's like, come on. It's like, you are the one responsible for putting me in a situation. Like, you know, TV, CD, or DVD. You know, and there's a great line that says in there, uh, you best respect the author, the architect, the plan. If the water reflects the face, then the heart reflects the man. And so what he's saying there is that our heart, and Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So out of our heart that is the evidence. What comes out of our heart is the evidence of what's in it, right? And so our actions are evidence of our heart. Our, what's, our thoughts are evidence of our heart. What we say is evidence of our heart, which is why Jesus, it says in, in verse 10, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward the man according to his conduct, a.k.a. actions, according to what his deeds deserve. So actions from the heart, words from the heart. Mind from the heart. And so if you're taking notes again, uh, second point, I guess, would be, uh, I don't know why I always say I guess would be, uh, the heart reflects the man, but our actions reflect our heart. So Valentine's Day is coming up. And um, 
I won't go there. Uh, but this is the thing is that I, I was going through this um, two nights ago at the office, and you know, me and Jamie are at the office, and I, I start laughing. I'm like, so I'm r- just railing the whole follow your heart thing right before Valentine's Day. How appropriate. I swear, did not plan this out. It just, just God gave me what to say, and then all of a sudden I realized it's Valentine's Day. That's funny. So this is the thing, is that uh, Valentine's Day, it's, you know, levy, levy, levy. What, think about yourself for a second. Think about the person in your life that's significant to you, whether it's a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, friend, family, whoever. Love language. Love language. That thing that speaks to you the most out of love. That thing that speaks to your spouse, your friend, your family person, family person, family member, father, brother, nephew, what speaks to them the most, right? So for some people, it's giving gifts, receiving gifts, you know, coming home to a clean house. You know, what is that thing that speaks to you the most where it's like you do that for someone and you've shown your love for that person, right? We all have a few things that just like, if you do this for me, you are showing your love for me. For me, might have hurt some people in the room, is that get, receiving gifts is, is, as far as my love language, is, is kind of low. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of low on there. Not, not because it's, I don't like receiving gifts. It's nothing like that at all. It's not that. But what is the most important thing to me is spending time with someone, having that heart-to-heart with someone, the fact that anyone would want to invest their life into mine just blows my mind already. So, wow, that's, that means a lot. You know what I mean? You know, I'm, I don't see myself as someone who someone wants to spend a whole lot of time with. You know, and so when someone invests their time into me, whether it's, you know, out of friendship or, you know, out of, you know, Proverbs says, you know, a firm rebuke, that's something that's special to me. That is the love language to me. And so when someone comes to me, you know, and they're like, you know, I don't know. You know, it's, that, that means a lot to me. And, and so have you ever thought to yourself, what's God's love language? What is the thing that means the most to God? Or not necessarily the most. But what's that thing where if God was sitting right here and Jesus was next to you, and he's just like, you know what? It is just one of my favorite things to, for you to do. Just if you do this for me. You know, imagine if you're, your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your family, I'll just, again, the, the trinity of examples, I guess. Um, you, they come up to you and say, you know what? I would just really love it if you would do this for me. Would you just do that? And you just say, flat out, nah. Mm-mm. You got to see it my way. You got to see it my way. Why, why that's not important. Hey, honey, can you take out the trash? In the middle of a game here. I'm in the top 30 in the world in sniping. I got to get my KD up. You know what I mean? And <laughs> it's a ridiculous example because, yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, this is the thing, is that if you know something is very important to someone and they ask you to do it, out of love, would you do it? If you love the person, the chance is likely yes. If you want to demonstrate your love in a way that is important to that person, the chance is likely yes. So what's God's love language is the question. Well, wouldn't it be nice? <clears throat> I said it would be convenient if Jesus was right here and just told us. Wouldn't it be nice if, if God just wrote you a letter, a really long letter, a long letter, that detailed just about everything about God, everything that he loves, everything about him that we need to know, wouldn't that be convenient? That'd be very convenient. So open up to John 14, and we're going to read a little bit about that. And um, 
we're going to be here for the remainder of the night. And the night, there it is, there it is. We're going to be here for the, rain, the remainder of the day, morning, something like that. The sun's out, hello. And so here we go. John 14, 5, 15 says something like this. Ready? If you love me, you'll obey what I command. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> We're done. See you later. No. <laughs> wow. How about that? If you love me, you'll obey what I command. So Jesus right here has just flat out said what his love language is, what means so much to him. John 21 says something like this. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. You're at a spot right now where you're just like, I'm not seeing God work in my life. I don't know why that is. And maybe you're kind of waiting for, like Saul, you know, on the road to Damascus, God just came down and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then you just go, oh my God, who is this? Who is this, Lord? If, if you're kind of waiting for God to just move in your life. Here's a promise. Did you see it? Did you see it? It says in verse 21, he who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. Right there. Jesus said it. You don't have to wonder. It's right there. It's right there. And verse 23 says something like this. If anyone loves me, notice it says love a lot. I wonder if it's important. He will obey my teaching. My father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to my Father who sent me. And so Jesus is just laying it out here. He's making it as simple as possible for us simple-minded humans who are always trying to make ourselves sound smarter than we really are. Guilty. And this is the thing, is that Jesus knows, God knows, the Holy Spirit knows, our God knows that we are very simple. But we try and overcomplicate everything. We try and understand every tiny little detail when it's just not possible. Our human brains cannot fathom the great mysteries, the great mysteries of the universe, the great mysteries of God. That's what separates us from God. Keep spitting all over the place. That's what separates not only from our imperfections. Thank you. That would be great. Yeah, watch your eyes. Hope. We need to get, like, some safety glasses that have, like, the living hope, like, insignia right here. You can just put on, you know, like in, like, Nickelodeon slime time or something like that. <laughs> oh, that's what we need is we need a slime thing. If anyone's talking, I can just, sorry, I'm getting off here. Um, <laughs> I don't even remember where I was at. Um, this is the thing is that Jesus knows that we are so simple-minded, and we try and figure out everything. So what does he do? He repeats himself over and over again. God repeats himself all throughout the Bible over and over again. We, a lot of times, you know, and Rob was talking about this a few months ago, last time I spoke, that, you know, if, if you're ever wondering, like, man, they say that a lot in that song. Just keep repeating, keep repeating, keep repeating. Maybe it's important. There's a good chance it might be. A good chance. And when we look through Proverbs, when we look through Psalms, when we look through the Gospels, Jesus' teaching, and if you look through the epistles, Paul's letters, it's like the same thing over and over again. It's like the same thing over and over again. It's like the same thing over and over again. Does it sound like a broken record? Because that's what the Bible reads like if you were to read it for what it is. It sounds like a broken record because that's what we need. We kind of need that. We need someone to tell us something. It's like that Bill Cosby skit uh, from Bill Cosby himself, right? And so he's in his living room and his three or four-year-old child, obviously not old enough, well, 
obviously maybe I'm stepping on some toes here. I don't, you know, a four-year-old, three-year-old drinking, you know, Coca-Cola might not be the wisest thing, might, you know, get kind of crazy and wild, and well, that's on you if you have a wild and crazy kid. So he's in his living room, and his, you know, really young child comes up and sips his, you know, sips his drink, and it's like, no, give me that. You know, you're not old enough. He's like, okay. So he walks out of the room, puts the Coke back on the table, and he walks out of the room, comes back in, and he walks in, and his three-year-old's just guzzling this thing down, and he says, give me that. What did I say? And the little, you know, boy says, we sit for not you for drink a drink. And he says, that's right. Takes the Coke, puts it on the counter. Walks out of the room, comes back in, and the three-year-old is reaching for it and trying to guzzle it down, and he said, give me that. What did I say? He said, you for not for, for you to drink. And he said, that's right. Bill Cosby, one of my favorite comedians. Totally just gives us a great visual of what we are like all the time. Like, could you imagine God just being a, a father that didn't do that? How often would we hear that? God saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't stop doing that. What did I say? What did I say, right? That's what I would hear all the time. If I could hear God audibly, I'd hear that quite a bit. And this thing, though, God is such a loving father. He gave us the commandments before we even needed to ask, before we had the ability to read, before we had the ability to hear and comprehend language, before we had the, the ability to know what is right and wrong. God wrote us something that has everything that tells us what's right and wrong. He gave us the commandments before we could even understand them. How crazy is that? Out of love, out of love for us, not just out of love, for our well-being, he gave us commandments. He gave us guidelines. He gave, it's like the pirate code, they're just like guidelines. He gave us what we need to stay away from the hurt, to stay away from the pain, to stay away from the anguish. Me and, I think Jake, we were, we were talking about, you know, when we were growing up, you know, going through um, high school youth group and stuff, we were just talking, you know, and we, at that time, we had this, you know, feeling that if I just had this great testimony, people, people would just be impressed, right? It's very selfish, very selfish outlook on things. And, and I think, honestly, a lot of us have that outlook. You know, well, if I have this incredible testimony of salvation, then if we have this incredible testimony of salvation, you know, turning from all this wicked sin, right, stuff that, like, normal people wouldn't be able to do without God, then people would just be so impressed with that, right? God set up guidelines. He set up commandments to prevent us from the pain that that world of hurt causes us. So why do we have to have this feeling of like, well, if God just saves me from this world of sin, this world of just just addiction, this world of hurt, this world of, oh, I used to be this person and now this and that, you know, we have this feeling... One of the most incredible testimonies is someone who's just said, you know what, I've stayed away from that all my life. Oh my gosh, praise God, are you kidding me? How? How did you do that? You know, how did you stay away from pornography? How did you stay away from drugs? How did you stay away from this and that, this and that, this and that? How did you do that? You know, only by the strength of God could someone do that. It's just as amazing. The ability of God to take through grace someone who's just in a world of hurt, who's been on rock bottom, to turn them into a man, woman of God, is just as incredible as a person who's never been there. Do you realize that? That's so incredible. The same God, the same instances, completely two different worlds. 
completely different worlds. And that's how incredible it is. But God has given us guidelines. He's given us out of love for our well-being in this book commandments, such as the greatest commandment. I'm just going to, last time I just brought these up, I'm just going to keep doing it again. The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So who is that person in your life? To be honest, we all have one, probably. If you don't, then... <laughs> Who's that person in your life where you're just like, he's the black sheep, right? Don't put your faith in him, he'll let you down. You know, if you invite him over to your house, make sure, you know, just watch him, right? We all kind of have that person, right? And if we don't, then maybe I just have too many friends. And... Uh, uh, if we have that person in your life, if, or if you've ever had that person in your life, we're just like, you know, not necessarily sketchy guy, sketchy dude, but just watch him, right? You don't have faith in him. Or maybe it's just like, dude, his work ethic is just out the window, terrible, right? Don't hire him, kind of a thing, right? You don't have confidence in that person, right? You don't have confidence. What you do have confidence in is that they'll let you down. That's the only thing you have confidence in, right? Okay, got that covered. What it said in Jeremiah 17, 9 is that blessed is the man who has confidence in him. Confidence in God, right? So if we don't have confidence in God, we're making God out to be that person. We're making God out to be that person with the bad work ethic. We're making him out to be that person who might steal from you. You know, who, if there's money on the table, might go up missing after they've been in your house, right? We're making God out to be that person we don't have confidence in. So, again, imagine that person in your life that you just ne- don't necessarily have a lot of faith in, you don't have confidence in, might be a sketchy dude, might just bad work ethic, or just they haven't proven themselves, right? That's who you're making God out to be when you don't put confidence in him. And I'm more guilty of that than anyone here. And just for the visual of it, when I, when I speak, I, I like to imagine myself in the front row here, just speaking of myself, because I am not above anyone in here, and this half of the room over here in the corner can vouch for me, absolutely vouch for me. These guys know me more than I know myself often. They can vouch for me. I don't deserve to be up here preaching this, because I am so guilty of it. (laughs) There you go. And this is the thing, is that God has told us. God's told us that if you love me, you will keep my command. And that's the third point. If we love him, we will obey him. That's his love language. That's his love language. Isn't that crazy? God has told us just flat out. He's just been, and, and, and more just black and white than we could ever need, right? More black and white than we could ever need. So simple, repeats himself, repeats himself, repeats himself. And this is great. Verse 25, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything. Isn't that great that we need someone to remind us all the time? The Holy Spirit will remind us of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. Then he says, my peace I give you. Like It's just like something just he needs to say here. I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I love that. Just God's with us. It's just, it's just amazing. So I want to kind of wrap something up here. Um, the whole redundancy thing that we need to be taught over and over and over and over. And we need the Holy Spirit to remind us over and over and over.
over and over. And we can read this over and over and over. And in James it says, don't so deceive yourself and, you know, read the word and not do what it says. You're like a man who looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets what he looks like. You know, and that's why I love that, that line. If the water reflects the face, then the heart reflects the man. And if we deceive ourselves, it says in 17.9, our heart deceives us. If we so deceive ourselves and just read the word and just say, all right, that's pretty good. But I see it this way. That's what we're doing. Get the white out. Put a little here. Get a red pen because it was in red, right? It's important because Jesus said it's in red. Get a red pen. Look up. Say, here's what I think, God Blah, 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 me, blah, 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 me, me, blah, blah. Okay? That's what you're doing. When you walk away from what it says and you say, well, I am too uncomfortable with that to do that. The Bible makes me uncomfortable all the time. I read something and it's just like, do not do this. And I'm like, well, I do that, so. <laughs> Need to change that soon. There's a way that seems right to man. There's a way that seems right to us. Say, well, if you just saw it my way, then you'd understand why I do this. If you just saw it my way. If you're in my shoes, you'd understand, right? I'm going to read a few Proverbs here. Um, I'm going to read these. Proverbs 12, 15. Proverbs, this will be, you'll, you will not be able to keep up with me. But you can turn whichever one you want, just lottery it, and just go for one. Because i got it written down here on my laptop. Double check me so I'm not preaching heresy. 1215, 1412, 1622, 1625, 2122. Ready? Try and keep up. The way of the fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. Oh, there's more. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. Don't worry, there is more. There is a way that seems right to man. But in the end, it leads to death. Stop worrying, there's more. All a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the, what? Heart. All a man's ways seem right to him. In our mind, we can justify anything. In my heart, I can justify anything. But in the end, it says, the Lord weighs the heart. So what you've deceived yourself into, God's going to look at that. He's going to see that. We already have the answers. Everything's in this book. Everything's in it. It's already written. It's here. It's alive. This is the living word of God. Living, breathing word of God. We have the answers right here. We don't need to try and come up with them up here or in here. They're already here. Okay? And so, I'm just getting tired. Sorry. A little fidgety. When someone says, listen to your heart, what are they saying? Listen to your instincts. Listen to what feels right. Listen to what feels good. You know, I, I've heard this a lot, you know, people who grew up in different decades, you know. Apparently every decade was the do what feels good decade since the beginning of man. Because I have had people tell me the 80s was the feel good decade, man. 70s was the feel good decade, man. 60s was the feel good decade, man. 20s was roaring, but... Feel good, man. I've never talked to anyone who grew up in the... Tw well, actually, I have. It's just they never told me that. All right? Every decade was the feel-good decade, right? We've been listening to our hearts for as long as we've been alive. We've been listening to our hearts 
since the beginning of man. Like we say in Jeremiah 17, 9, is that it deceives us. It's beyond a cure. It's beyond a cure. But who is God? God is the great, the great physician. He's Jehovah Rapha. He is the God that can heal anything. He is the God who can take a screwed up, messed up situation beyond repair, fubar, and take it and turn it into a beautiful situation, a beautiful work, a beautiful portrait of God's love. Isn't that crazy? Something that is so deceived and beyond a cure, God can take and turn it into not just his glory, but our well-being. We don't serve a God that we just give everything to and don't receive back. Isn't that crazy? The God that created us, that knows just how screwed up I am, how screwed up we all are, if we give an inkling, a tiny bit to him, that he's going to still bless us? Isn't that nuts? That we don't deserve anything. We don't deserve anything in this life. We don't. Because of our sin, because of how much we screw up. We don't deserve anything. And yet God says, if you love me, I will love you. I will make a home in you. I will bless you. Isn't that nuts? That blows my mind. That's why I get excited about it. One of the coolest commandments that's found in the Great Commission is be baptized. Got to plug it. I'm so excited about today. I'm so excited about baptism because it's like putting publicly, putting away your old self and taking on a new self. Like I said in first service, it's like taking off those pants that I've worn for like a week that are like nasty and grimy and then putting on the new ones because I do that, which is why these are all not clean. Um, but I'm wearing my preacher day v-neck, so it's all good. Um, looks nice. I got it for Christmas. Um, but this thing about baptism is that it's, oh my gosh, it's, we were, we were uh, Jeff, a couple weeks ago, and then I, I talked about it uh, last Wednesday, the, the Philip and the Ethiopian man. God tells him, go here. Holy Spirit tells him, go here. Says, okay. Actually, it's an angel of God told Philip, go here. Says, okay. Then he gets on this road, and then this Holy Spirit tells him, Go walk up to that chariot. And he says, okay. Obeying. See that? He's obeying. See it? And he goes up, and there's this guy reading out of uh, Isaiah 53, which is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. And Philip's like, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? Basically, what he said was, who is this? What is this about? And then Philip goes, oh, by the way, you're talking about Jesus. Do you want to know who Jesus is? And then within one conversation, the guy's like, baptize me. Do it. Let's go. Baptize me right now. Let's go. Pulls off to the side of the road, baptizes him. He looks up. Philip, gone. Appears in Azotus. He's gone. Just appears 20 plus miles away and just continues. He's like, oh, here I am. All right, let's go. That's the kind of obedience that's, 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 that's in there that, that is available to us. Just baptize me. Just do it. Just do it. I love it, right? And so hopefully we're... If, if, if you've never been baptized, come talk with one of us. Um, but if you want to watch the service, if you want to be a part of it, we've had a couple of impact services, uh, baptisms over at the Boy Sillies, and it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, 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 it's really great. It's, it's, it's just amazing to just the fellowship that we have. You know, we don't, as a church, in my opinion, often enough, we don't get to meet together as just a body together in fellowship outside of these walls. And there's just something about it. There's just something about when we're all together, there's not any one person up here leading anything. It's just us. It's just the family, you know, this family that we have here. And just 
just worshiping and just fellowshipping and just watching people just dedicate their lives to Christ. Like, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. It's all about the heart. It is all about the heart. I could say that at the end of every message, and it's true to the beginning of the message. It's all about the heart. Because that's what Jesus came to save. Because we are so deceived. We are so, so in need of a Savior. Like I said last time, I really need Jesus. I just really do. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this time, Lord. I thank you for the ability to talk, the ability to read, Lord. I know there's people out there that are blind and mute, and how blessed am I and how undeserving I am to have a fully functioning body. It's nothing I did to deserve that, but God, you've chosen to bless me with that, and something I take for granted every day, every second of every day. Lord, as we're um, digesting this, Lord, it's kind of a, kind of a hard one to, to take down. God, would you just be giving us understanding, Lord, in this? Would you be giving us wisdom in this? Because, Lord, it is something hard to, to, to muscle down. A, a, a firm rebuke, as it says in, in, in Proverbs, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to take down, but it is, it is like nourishment to the soul. Lord, would you just be putting in our lives guidelines and guardrails, Lord, to steer us more towards your commandments, Lord, to steer us more what you want in our lives, Lord, because you are looking out for our well-being. You're looking out for us. You're not that, angry, that parent that just sets up rules just for the heck of it. God, you are a loving father that is out for our good, not just our good, our best. You want what's best for us, the absolute best. So, Lord, right now I pray that you would just be in our hearts surfacing up what it is that we can give up to become closer to that best that you have for us, Lord. Be giving us dreams. Be giving us visions, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just be moving in this church, Lord, more as, as Dixon moves even closer to just ushering in just this incredible season, Lord, of growth. Lord, I see it coming, and so many people see it coming, Lord, that you're about to move in a mighty, mighty way. Lord, I pray that you would just get your servants ready, Lord. Get us ready. Lord, I pray that Anyone in this room right now is just experiencing just doubts, experiencing just complacency. God, you would just remove that, Lord. You would not just, like, you'd show us how. You'd show us how to remove it. Lord, you're so good. You're so good to us and we don't deserve anything. God, we give you the praise and the glory, Lord, for all the things seen and unseen. In Jesus' name, amen.